just going, I, I, I haven't, I haven't felt such an amazing tension or presence of the Holy Spirit in a long time. I'm not saying we have it in other Sundays, but your for this morning was specific. This morning it was, it was, yeah. Sean, thank you so much, man. You can respect his space. I just quickly want to share something about Sean that's standing here next to me. He was one of those guys when the Lord told him, listen, I want you to plant a church in Gordon's way. Initially he said, no, Lord, there's just no chance. There's no way. This is not me. But he's just such a beautiful example of someone that's willing to be first influenced by the Holy Spirit and then also change his mind by the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I'm, my prayer is, and that through his own obedience as a fruit of that, this morning he will be able through the word and through the working of the Holy Spirit through him to influence us this morning through the word that the Lord has laid on his heart. So he's an elder in Josh James, so I really, it's like, it's almost like a father in the house speaking, so I really want you guys to be open to what he wants to come and lay, uh, lay uh, in front of us and this is pray for Father God. We thank you for, for this morning, Lord. We thank you for what you have made on Sean's heart. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will now do the work. That you will basically just come and relay as a messenger of you what you want to say, but that the power and the work will come from you, Lord. His labor is finished now. He's basically just going to bring what you want him to bring, Lord. And the, and the labor is now on your side, Lord. The, the work is always now on your side, Lord. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful introduction. Uh, for those of you who have never met me before, my name is Sean. My beautiful wife and Tyler is here, and two of my three children are here in Kids Church with me. And um, it's, a, it's an absolute privilege to be, to be with you guys. Um, when we arrived in Somerset West from, uh, from the Sunningdale congregation, we got put into this Willem and Leone's co- uh, community group that we'd never met before. And I walked in and I saw Willem and I was like, wow, okay. And Willem was there and I was like, oh, you're And let me just tell you something. I have grown to love this man uh, like a brother. He's the man who carries the grace and the authority of God. And uh, I honor you for what you've done as you've come into this place and led a group of people and made yourself available over and over and over for the Lord to use you to build his kingdom. So I, I, I honor you um, as well. So this morning I'm hoping to take you guys on a little bit of a journey as we, as we look at this thing called evangelism, as we look at, at, at why do we do these things? You know, when I'm passing around this, this, um, this register for you to get involved in evangelism, and uh, there's many, many things to get involved in. There's worship teams, and there's AV service, and there's kids ministry, and there's all the rest of these things that are very important to us as, as the church. But I, wanna, I want to put it to you today. I'm going to try and build a bit of an argument in your minds, a legal argument to say that this actually is something that is commanded by God Himself. So we're going to start this journey off this morning in a dark, cold, disgusting prison. And I want you guys to, to imagine with me, I want you just to listen, but imagine yourself, just, just close your eyes and imagine yourself in, a, in, in the old prison. 
They're cold, it's dark, it's, it's stone floors, there's no food, it's stinky, it's horrible. And the person that we find in this prison is probably one of the greatest apostles that ever walked the earth. His name is Paul, and he is in prison. And if you could just put that scripture up for me, Sir Jane, from 2 Timothy. And basically, I'm going to read you what Paul is, is actually writing. Ooh, I was up on there. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Paul is writing to Timothy. So Timothy is a pastor. So we might read this in but Timothy is writing to a pastor here. But actually, by extension, he's writing to us as the church. Because if Andrew wants to carry something over to the church, he can't speak to all of us individually. So he'll speak to the pastor. He'll speak to the elder. And the elder will convey the message back to the church. Does that make sense? Yes. So let's read it together. I'm going to just read from our translation. Well, it's a bit. It says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and, and, um, and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, and I'm going to focus on that specifically today, but that's another session. Uh, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around with a great number of teachers to say what the itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and aside to myths. But to you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist. Discharge all of the duties of your ministry. Sure. So we've got the situation now where Paul is in prison. And the reason that he's in prison at the moment is because at this time there was a massive fire that raged and actually devastated half of the city of Rome. Half of Rome was burnt. The people in the streets are in chaos. They've lost their belongings. They're angry and they need someone to blame. And Nero, Nero, who is the emperor at that stage, is looking for a scapegoat. And who does he choose? He chooses the Christians. And terrible things are happening to the Christians during the time. They will be taking some of these people, tying them to poles in the streets, dumping fuel on them and lighting them up. And they were made, they were human torches in the streets. This is what is happening in the world that this message has been, has been written in. And I'm just, as I was reading this, I'm going to myself, well, phew, that's, that's kind of hectic that, eh? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like, I don't want to live at that time. You know, when you are there and you are proclaiming your love for the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a chance that you're going to get strung up and burnt. Or put into arenas to fight lions. And what absolutely, absolutely boggles my mind is that in the light of that situation, Paul, who actually is he's just about to die, as you read on a little bit, he actually gets beheaded. And he comes to the end of his life, so he knows, listen, this is the class. I'm about to check out. And I wonder what message you would be given. If you were lying on your deathbed and you know there's hours to go, I'm pretty sure you'd be saying, listen guys, don't forget the dump truck comes on Mondays, put the balloon out, 
Or, hey, listen, you know what? We don't forget the kids have got to do soccer practice on Thursday evening. You're not going to be sharing something like that. You're going to be sharing something that you want people to remember. A message that is important to you, but important to them. You'd be telling people how much you love them. You'd be giving them instructions of what to do afterwards. You would be imparting something deep into them. And in the midst of all of this, what they're being told to do is preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And then they're being told to um, sorry, they've been told to do the work of the evangelist. It didn't say be the evangelist. Yes. They said do the work of the evangelist, which I'm going to touch on just now. So as we preparing ourselves now for next week where you guys are going to be joining with a team of other guys to go out and actually fulfill this very command. You're going to go out and preach the, the gospel. You're going to be prepared. You're going to, you're going to do the work of the evangelist. A lot of us might be going, well, that sounds a little bit intimidating for me. You know, what if I can see that I die very loud, okay. So sure, but that is on the front. I can say, well, I'm, I'm a little bit more quiet. I, 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 don't, I don't have the gift of the evangelist, you know. And I want to charge you that if Paul is saying to that church, in the midst of death, yes. do the work of the evangelist. And we go out and maybe the worst will get is someone will reject us, serve us, or spit on us. <laughs> I, I'd like to build the case that actually it's not that bad, is it? Yeah, it's good. Considering sure. what they do. That's good. So, I want to ask you, why, why do you think Paul has this boldness? What makes him so brave that he's willing to put his life on the line to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? And why is he different to us? Sure. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I'm, I, I get the, 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 the privilege to lead God's people. But I haven't yet been put in the situation where I've had to choose between my life and the gospel. I'd like to think if that day becomes a, I'll have the conviction to say, all right, let's do this thing. But there must be something that we can take away today. That we can look at this and go, actually, but hold on. Maybe I can get something of what Paul had. So I want to say to you, the first point that I think, as I was preparing this, is that Paul encountered Jesus. He had an encounter with the person of Jesus, personally. And the funny thing about Paul is that at the end of his life, He's in prison because Christians are being persecuted. Yeah. But if you study his life as Saul, he persecuted the Christians. Yeah. Is, that not, is that not weird? When, when Jesus was on the earth, Paul didn't walk with them. Paul wasn't discipled with them. Paul wasn't given any instruction. In fact, if we look at the narrative, it's probably about 24 years after Jesus died that Paul encountered him on the road to Damascus and had this encounter where he was knocked off his horse. And Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? And he had a revelation of Jesus. He had a revelation of who he was. And he had a revelation of who Jesus was. And then from there, the only thing that he could do, he was so moved by this deep change, is repent for what he'd done. And then from there, go out and preach the gospel. 
It was a natural progression. He just did it. It didn't take someone knocking him on his shoulder and saying, listen, here's a register, please let's go out and share the gospel. It wasn't that. He had seen Jesus. And I want to put to you that if you've seen, we sang the song Amazing Grace, our sweet sound, that saved a wretch like me. For some of us, for most of us, unless you had a divine angel come down and speak to you, there's very few of us in this room that would know the Lord Jesus Christ or another person. Someone took the time to tell me about it. Whether it was a pastor on a Sunday, whether it was a colleague at work, whether it was a mom or dad or sister or brother, someone had encountered Jesus and they chose to preach the word and to do the work of an evangelist. Good job. So they had an encounter. The second thing that Paul understood was that his life was not about his comfort. And let me tell you something, if you want to follow the Lord Jesus and you really want to follow Him, it's not going to be comfortable. I'd love to say to you, come to Jesus, He's going to take away all your pain, He's going to make you super rich, and everything's going to be amazing, and there are gospels that have been preached like that, but it's not His gospel. The good news is not come and let me fulfill all your wishes. His, his gospel is come and die, yes. so that you can be raised with Him. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Rada. There we go. <laughs> so Paul is sitting in jail. I can't remember he said. He's sitting in jail. He's contemplating the entire, his entire life. He's doing an audit of his life. He's looking back and he's going, what did I do well? What did I not do well? And I want to tell you something. If I'm about to check out, if I'm going on to glory, and I can tell my kids one thing that will stop them from feeling even a less than a pain. That's what I'm going to be talking to them about. And in that, even though it's in this place, he doesn't worry about it. He's not concerned about his discomfort. He's concerned about what's important. And the important thing is to say, hey, preach the word. Do the work of the evangelist. The third thing that I think is really important is that Paul knew that you don't have to be an evangelist to evangelize. Yeah. In verse 5 it says, do the work of the evangelist. That doesn't mean you have to be a powerful. So if you go to Ephesians 4 for me, if you don't mind, Jesus was talking about how he's going to build a church. And he speaks about, it was, it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be apostles and teachers. So what a lot of people will do is they'll use that scripture back at you. And I say, maybe I can see I can see the evangelist here. I just see Aki. I'm not that person. Yeah. And I, I would agree with you. I would really agree with you that, that 99% of the people in this room are not a fivefold gifted evangelist. You're not. But luckily, my legal argument comes back to the fact that I'm not telling you to be an evangelist. I'm not telling you to be the fivefold minister. I'm asking you to do the work of an evangelist. That's good, sure. How many doctors do we have in the room? Is there any doctors there? Okay, so we've got no doctors there. So if I had to fall and scrape my knee and there was a first aid kit at the back, would somebody be able to help me with my knee? Yes. Yeah. Does that make you a doctor? No. Are you doing the work of a doctor? Yes. Ah. Amen. Amen. 
this is, this is what we need to get. We're trying to make excuses about why we can't do something. But actually, and what I'm going to tell you in a few moments is about how God is going to help us to do these things. So people of Kabbalah, I want to let you know, there might not be lots of wounded knees that you're going to get to tend to. But I promise you, in Kabbalah, there are many wounded hearts. There are many broken people that are rushing head first at a thousand kilometers an hour into hell. And if we don't do the work of the evangelist, who will? If we don't do it, who will? So before I hand over to Chattel, who's gonna who's gonna build your faith, I'm gonna tell you some really, really cool stories. I want to leave this with you as my parting gift. Because I love you, and, and, and it's good to give gifts. The word says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So if we can go to Mark 16, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. And once again, I want you to I want you to go with me. So the apostles are standing on this mountain with Jesus. And Jesus is about to ascend into glory. He's about to leave. He's climbing on the jet plane and he's going up to be with his father. Once again, I'm pretty sure he's saying, listen, don't forget when you make pasta, we throw in two you know, pinches of salt. Or you know, when you put the two-minute noodles in, make sure you cover the water. No, 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 no. Do you not think, once again, the last thing that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is saying before he leaves is important. Could we agree on that? We can agree that the last thing he's saying is going to be, it's going to be very, very worthwhile listening to. And let's read what he says. He, Jesus, says to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands. That's very cool. I haven't tried that. drink poison. No, I'm also not going to try that. And, and it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Is that not profound? Can you imagine watching Jesus just, there he goes. Ah, I mean, that must have been amazing. He says, and then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. Now, my gift. My gift to every single one of you is you prepare your hearts to get involved next week. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. I want to let you guys know, as you head out next week, and you're going to do the work of the evangelist, and you're going to fulfill the commands that were given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ before he left this earth, the promises that Jesus, who's sitting at the right hand of God, is watching what you're doing, and he's confirming your words, he's, sorry, he's confirming his words with signs. And wonders and showing people he will do the work, he will do the heavy lifting, he will do things that you cannot do. 
And I want to tell you about one story and then I'll hand over to Shita, who's going to probably tell you a couple more. But in about 2014, yeah, about 2014, we got invited to part of a school of prophecy that Josh attended uh, in, um, in Sunningdale. And that, it was a week long course and they broke us up into groups. And on a particular day, they said, All right, what we want you guys to now do is you're going to go out and you're going to preach the word of God. So in your group of six to eight people, you need to decide where are you going to go. So we all got together and we spoke about it and we said, okay, you know what, what we're going to do is we're going to go to the Milton Police Station. That's where we're going to go. We just felt great for it. So now it's a police station, right? They're not exactly just going to fling open the doors and say, hey, sure, come on in, just you know, make your way through. No, no, no. So we, we started to pray. And you're like, okay, Lord, you need to, you need to help us. You said that you're going to go with us. And, and the Lord showed me a picture of a specific person. And I felt him say, that's going to be your door. That person will be the person that will let you in. And we shared it with the guys. And everyone went home that night. And we prayed. And we were like, full of faith. And we got to the police station. And now it starts to get real. Because now you actually got to do something. Someone's going to walk in. And someone's going to say something. And we walk in. And as you walk charge officer is exactly the lady that the Lord showed you. And you walk in and we say to her, hey, we're from Just Generation Church, we've come here, we just want to bless you guys, we want to pray for you guys, you know, is it okay that we just take five or ten minutes just to come and bless you? And she says, no problem, I'll open this door for you, you can go into the back offices, you can pray for all of the staff. Sure. And we're like, yes, this is awesome, <laughs> So we're all in and everyone's empty. and we walk into this room and there's like two or three people inside this specific office and everyone's praying. And I feel the Lord say to me, Sean, I need you to go and stand in the passageway. So for some of you, you might think, what did that look like? But how does God say to you go and stand in the passage? But I just, in me, I felt like, hey, I'm not supposed to be here, like right here. This is not where God wants me. I'm going gonna, gonna to go there. So I went and stood in the passage and there was no one there. And I stood there, I must have been two, three minutes. Now, two, three minutes doesn't sound well, but if I had to stand here quietly for two to three minutes, it would be very awkward. So I'm standing there, and there's no one around. So what do we do in our natural? We go, oh, no, I must have missed God, I'll go back inside. Yeah. And everyone is shambaying and cutting on, and it's going well in there, and it's actually, people are getting saved, and, and it's like, I'm not supposed to be here. And I'm saying outside again, as I've been outside the second time, this door opens, and this blonde head, man walks out and he comes to me and says can i help you i said oh no we we're just here from um from joshua generation church we we just meet him what we were praying for guys and all the rest of that sort of stuff he said oh you guys came here to pray for us i'm like yeah he says okay just wait right here stay right here so I'm like, okay. <laughs> and by that time the rest of the guys are finished in the room and they start coming out and as they come up the door opens again and he, he just goes come <laughs> so okay and we walk into a room that's probably about this size with about 30 to 40 senior police officers that are in a planning situation because at that stage there were riots in the noon and they were actually planning how they were going to put their operation together to go stop this and they stopped their meeting and this guy sits up and he goes guys these guys are from a local church up here they want to come and pray for us the floor is yours and they stop their meeting and we start praying for them and there's hardened police officers that are crying and repenting and are getting saved and people are getting healed and God is doing all this stuff and I'm just like, what? Yes. Yes. What? Yes. 
us. So that would be a cool story, yeah. But it didn't stop there. Because I was ready to go now. I'm like, Jesus, you know, you definitely need to do where at. So we're walking out to the car park, and there's a guy that's, that's there that looks like a street person. And I thought the Lord said to me, he, he, oh, he didn't say to me, like he showed me, you know, like a, a rifle's got a telescopic sight. I saw this thing over this person's head, and I was like, oh, hold on, that's weird, what is that? And everyone else was kind of moving towards the cars, and I just felt drawn to it. So I went to this man and I said to him, Excuse me, sir. I said, I'm sorry to bother you. We're here just praying for some of the police officers, um, and I just wanted to come and, and, and bless you. He's like, no, I am actually a police officer. Sure, what do you mean you're a police officer? He says, No, well, my job actually in this whole operation is that I need to infiltrate into and amongst these, these guys that are rioting. Identify who the key guys are, report back to leadership so that we can take these guys and, and cut off the head of the snake, so to speak. And I said to him, I said, can I just tell you something? I saw this telescopic sight, like a, like a, a target on your, on over a head. And this guy just starts crying. And he looks at me and he says, I've actually only been here a couple of months. I was in the drug division in Mitchell's plane. And he says, I have, that I know of, two contracts on my life. The gangs want to kill me. And I was like, wow, Lord, why did you show me this? And within me, without me even having any kind of mental capacity, I looked at him and I said to him, sir, if you had to be taken out today, do you know what your eternity looks like? Do you know where you go? And he said, I have no idea. He says, the thought frightens me to my inner soul. I said, can I tell you about your blessed assurance? Can I tell you about the one who died on the cross to redeem you? And I shared the gospel with him. This man gave his life to the Lord on the pavement outside of the army station. And then we prayed for him to cancel that assignment over his life. We prayed for him for boldness and for wisdom and for courage as he's about to go into a couple of hundred, maybe even a thousand people that are rioting. And that man, he was walking on air. His life was changed. Not because of me. I want you to completely remove you from the picture. It had nothing to do with me. The fact is, like you guys are about to do next week, I made myself available. I knew I had no, no idea how to do the work of these agents. I was just going to go. And the main thing I want to leave with you is that the Lord worked with us and confirmed his words with science. So I'm going to talk to you about she's going to talk about um, a couple of other things and hopefully really um, just we're not trying to hype you up. But I think what we're trying to do is build something of a faith into you now that as you go out next week you're not going out Amen. The Lord goes with this. Come on.
But that makes sense. So what's saying going to tell the gospel? But if you don't believe the good news, maybe you believed it once upon a time when you got saved. But through all the troubles of this world, it's not good news anymore. Someone I pray to when I'm really struggling. Doesn't matter your situation, it still stays good news. And we need to share the good news. What Jesus has done for us to others. So I'm going to share two stories with you quickly, and then we can go from there. So the one that I wanted to share, and I think about June last year, I'm not speaking on the correction, it was plus minus that time. Um, we, we planted Joshua in Gordon Bay in March. So it was about 15 months in, and uh, the reality of it started kicking in, Willem will know. Uh, but it was, it, was, it was hard, it was joyful and exciting, but it was hard. And I was tired, and uh, the one day, Every second month I go and get my hair done, and it's my day. I go, my kids, no husband, no church. I love it. I love it. And I just go and I, I love my hairdresser. She's a good friend of mine, and uh, yeah, it's just my day. I can go and do my hair. And she appointed a lady called, yeah, I'm not going to name her name. This lady was probably with her about six months prior to that. So I started getting to know this lady as much as I knew my hairdresser. And let me just mention the hairdresser works from home, so she got a full-on salon from home. And that specific day, there was no other clients in the salon. And as I do normally, chat to the girls, and yes, I'll have coffee, and we chat chat. And I could see this lady wasn't herself that day. And I said to her, what is wrong? Are you okay? And uh, she just started bawling. And I was like, oh my word, what's wrong? And although everything inside of me was tired, everything inside of me was selfish, I was needy that day. I didn't want someone else to be needy. But I put that aside because it's not about me. Isn't it? It's not about us. And uh, long story short, we, we were chatting and she shared our heart and she shared with us that she's just struggling it's become a thing. So a bit of background, this lady is not going to church, she told me before. So she's been out of church for about five years, completely backslidden, because she got very old. So there's no relationship, she stopped praying, and her husband still goes now and again to, to Hillsong, he was going by himself. The son didn't want to know anything about church, he was then 12. Um, and she was just like, there's no God. Anyway, and she was sharing a story about alcoholism, and how she every night, and it's not like, hey, I'm getting drunk on six bottles of whiskey, so having a glass of wine every night, then a second one, so she's not getting drunk, but she just knows she can't go without. Anyway, and she uh, just started sharing my heart, and I said, and I, and I tried to encourage her, and I, and I said, can I pray for you? Because I just felt the spirit was, hey, let me pray. So after what, what do we do? Keep him up, please. Yeah. Pray for your sister. Pray for your brother. No. Right there, I said to her next time. Yeah. And as I started praying for her, I, did, I led it to the Lord again. Sure. I took her through a prayer of repentance. And after, <laughs> after a while, I just there was I could pick up in the spirit. There was a spirit of addiction. Obviously, rebuke the spirit because this is what the spirit wanted me to do. So we stay in step with the Spirit and what He is saying, what He is doing. 
And then the next moment, I could just smell this horrible smell. We all smelled it, like a fishy, rotten smell. So, for those who know, if you, when you walk in the, with the Lord for a while and, and you've taken a few people through deliverance, you, you recognize different spirits and how they come out and what happens. I'm not saying all of you need to now know it, but in this case, the spirit of addiction, especially a generational one, can stay. So luckily the dog was on there. So I couldn't go into this with this lady and say, hey, it's this bitch. You know? So I just said, oh, this dog. But I knew. Thank you. 
So he's a teacher, but he's also in charge of renting the venue out and things like that. I, was, I think he was deputy principal or something. Anyway, I got to meet him, and as we chatting, he said, Yo, he won't be there when we do our play. He's going to hand it over to another lady. So I said, okay, but in me, I was like, why? So I said to him, oh, Shane, why? I don't know why I asked it, but I asked it because I felt the spirit wanted me to ask. And he said, I'm, I've actually, I've got stage four throat cancer. And I'm going in for an operation, one of my final ones. So I won't be here. Yeah. You know, what is the natural thing for us humans? Oh, no, it's shame, man. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, the venue I have, how much does it carry on, isn't it? Because we are too embarrassed, we're too shy to step out. Jesus wasn't too shy to send someone to save you. So I said to him, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah, sure, no problem. He loves the Lord. He, he told me he is in church. So it's not like he's an unbeliever. But do you not think he needed some good news in that moment? He's busy dying. He knows where he's going. But he's not that, that excited about the salvation anymore. So we ended up praying for him. Me and um, the other mom that was with me. It was, quite a, it was actually quite a wonderful morning. <laughs> and uh, we go on the day. And uh, two weeks later, or three weeks later, was the, the production or play or whatever. I like to call it a production, makes me feel like it was a big event. <laughs> He's going to discourage you, I'm telling you now. People think, 
Next week coming, what's going to happen? One of the kids will be sick, one of the sleeping, this is all being a bad accident. That's, what, 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 that's what's going to happen. So what happens again? All about me again. Then I don't go out and I think, oh, I just need to just every day, so I'm like, I want to tell you now what's going to happen, so that you're prepared. Okay. So come Sunday, it's not about you, it's about Jesus, it's about someone not burning in hell. Yeah. It's about someone short, someone took the time for you. Sure. Someone took that time, someone was selfless enough to lead you to Jesus. Yeah. So in your every day, yes, you can have a place where we go up, but that's not going to be daily. Yeah. We're not going to do what's going to happen next Sunday every day. It's not going to be like that. When not, if you share the gospel with your colleagues yes. at work. Yes. When not? Because you will come to people, I'm a Christian, I'm a swear, and I say, I'll sit here, and I say, that's it. You know, they just take they do this thing, and they swear, and they drink, and they, you know?
descended from me. Everything in me. You know there's that song, you didn't want heaven without us, so you used to get it down. I want to tell you something, that's actually not biblical. It's not biblical. God was protect the, the, the Trinity was 100% satisfied with itself. Lacking nothing, missing nothing, wanting nothing. That is. For those of you who are on marriage and perhaps don't have kids yet, it's nice. It's nice. You can go where you want, you can do what you want, you're not spending thousands of days on nappies. I've got three kids, I think I have, I have shares in papers. But at some point, you just feel like, wow, there's more, hey? Yeah. There's, there's something more than just this. Yes. And we, and we want to bring someone in. And God wants His family to come in. Yes. He didn't create robots. I've often thought to myself, Lord, why didn't you just create us to want you? Yeah. And He has created us to want Him. But the fact is, very often, the people don't know that it's Him they want. So they don't look for pleasure. Or they don't look for fulfillment in their jobs. Or they look for fulfillment through the things that they own, their houses, their cars, their belongings. They're searching for this Jesus that we have. They just don't know what they're looking for. Yeah. And we have the, the, the privilege of being His messengers. Yeah. How, how humbling is that? That He would look through all the people on the earth and say, that fraught shawl, I'll use him. And she's and well. I've often stood and looked at other people and gone, you know, if you had to land, line up 10 guys, for God to use. These guys that are bigger than me, stronger than me, they've got more hair than me, they speak better than I do, they've got more money, they've got more influence. How would you choose me? But he looks and he goes, I'll take him. Because he uses the foolish things to confront the wise. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be popular, you don't have to be rich. You just have to be willing. And get out there and go and do it. So I want to pray for us, brother, if that's okay. Yeah. If you, I don't know if you're feeling something you wanted to, to, to get into, but I just wanted to pray for us for just this thing to come in. And, and just land on us and learn us that, hey, we don't have to be an evangelist to do the work of 